Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. I hope you're wearing maroon today. It's a big weekend for Bulldog baseball. We're going to break that down and kind of preview the LSU Tigers and kind of look around the league and see what to expect. Kind of a wild night on Thursday night in college baseball. Matter of fact, I just finished watching uh, Texas A&M walk it off against Kentucky. Pretty well-pitched ball game there. But, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. And this time of year, pitching means everything, right? Hopefully we get some good pitching this weekend. But uh, also went out to practice on Thursday. I'll have a review of kind of some things that we saw there and uh, kind of break down some injury situation too. Not, nothing long-term, obviously. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys that we're going to be expecting some snaps from this year – not participating fully in spring practice. So we'll break that down a little bit and kind of let you know uh, who's where, who's not participating, all that good stuff. Many of you know these things. If you're a subscriber to Gene's page, Paul Jones does a really good job of kind of keeping you guys abreast of the uh, latest depth charts and that sort of stuff. And a lot of that stuff, too, you know, this time of year, because it is spring football, that, that is subject to change in a major way. You know, this time last year, Mikai Polk and, uh, and Jalen Green and the transfers came in, Randy Charlton, 
those guys ran second team throughout spring, even though we know they, they started several games for us last year. Jameer Calvin, another one that uh, joined the squad a little bit later. But the guys that were there in the spring did not run first team. And you and I both know Makai Polk was Mississippi State's most productive receiver last year. So if you see a newcomer running second team, don't read an awful lot into that just yet. Not yet. You know, I think Mike Leach wants those guys to earn it. He's not going to just let somebody, a newcomer, show up and be given a spot. They've got to prove they're worthy of that designation. So, you know, again, it's very informative, but at the same time, too, understand things will change a lot once we get into fall camp. We do have some other signees who will enroll uh, there in June and could perhaps uh, make a difference there on the depth chart. Got a pretty cool top ten list today. Uh, Roy came up with today's idea. It's been on me a while to do this one, so we're going to knock it out today. I want to thank our friend Jason Green for Sebastopol from Sebastopol, Mississippi, who suggested Tesla. I guess he had forgotten I had done a Tesla top ten, but uh, I've been jamming some Tesla here as of late, and uh, just so happens, kind of struck my fancy. So we did the top ten albums, even got a like on Twitter from our friends in Tesla. I love Tesla. I don't know how anybody can't love Tesla. You know, there are a lot of bands from the 80s you look at and say, well, you know, they were kind of uh, good for the era. You know, Tesla's still great, still turning out good music. Had a new single come out earlier this year. Great band. Saw those guys at the Ryman here a couple years ago. I'd never been to the Ryman before. That's the mother church of America's music. Pretty cool place. Acoustics in there are phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So when they did the acoustic set, it really uh, resonated well within the venue. So thank you, Jason, for the suggestion. Hope you enjoyed the list. But again, it's college baseball season, so we're going to spend a lot of time talking college baseball uh, today. Uh, had some reaction, too. A lot of people have reached out, too, and today, Steve, I appreciate you being positive about the team. Well, you know, the reality of it is when you've won 7 of 10, it's a little easier to be positive. I know we didn't have a good weekend at Arkansas, and uh, our, the, the Razorbacks are still rolling. You know, they're, they're a good team. You know, as I mentioned on the show on Monday, I mean, that's the difference between a team that's contending for a top eight national seed and a team that's kind of scurrying to make the postseason. But uh, it's a long season. A lot can change over the course of a season. You know, there's injuries. There's, there's guys that get cold, guys that get hot. There are guys that find a spot. So there's a long season left to go. But you can't just keep sitting back and, and dropping ball games. And I think State has picked it up here as of late. We've seen some better bullpen play. And, and what do you know? We're starting to stack up a few wins here and there because we're getting some quality uh, competitiveness uh, out of the bullpen. So uh, with that, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company more than a friend. And I think you will too. Many of you are already familiar with their fine cuisine. If you're not, you need to familiarize yourself. Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to work, a great place to dine. Whether it be a night out with friends or a night out with family, you can get everything taken care of uh, right there at Bulldog Burger Company. Whether you need an adult beverage or perhaps just a, uh, you know, a chocolate shake to go, they can line you up with every bit of that. I love going in there because I always get my money's worth and then some. Sometimes the dogs get their money's worth, too, you know, because I always bring a little bit home. <laughs> you know, the, the portions there are very substantial, and that's uh, one of the things I love about it. It's not just the quality food there. It's just I always get my money's worth. 
Go by and check them out today. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas and in Gloucester Street there in Tupelo and the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, a place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a quick look at the LSU Tigers. You know, for many of you young bucks, maybe you don't realize what a rivalry this has been over the years. You know, in the 1980s, Mississippi State and LSU were the predominant teams in the Southeastern Conference. And so we wanted to beat them probably worse than we wanted to beat Ole Miss. And I don't mean this in a shady kind of way. Ole Miss just wasn't nearly as good in the 80s. I mean, this is kind of the glory days of Ole Miss baseball. They were not a real challenge. Matter of fact, uh, you know, Looking at facility-wise, there were times in the early 80s they had chicken wire fences. I mean, they, they were not committed to college baseball. Mississippi State and LSU were. And, of course, there's all the backdrop of Ron Polk and Skip Burtman being longtime friends from their time down in South Florida. As Ron Polk told me when I interviewed him for Dogpile, if you haven't read Dogpile, you certainly should. I'm very proud of that book. And there is a chapter with Ron Polk, and he talks about his relationship with Skip Burtman and how he had Skip lined up. Had he gotten the head coaching job at Miami, Skip was going to be his assistant coach. That's how close they were. So there was this friendly rivalry, and at times, you know, Ron Polk would say things on the old rubber chicken uh, alumni tour event, and uh, Skip Burtman would counter. Skip Burtman used to say that Starkville was an old Choctaw word for trailer park. You know, and, of course, the LSU folks would roar and laugh and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, the reality of it is is that – I'm very envious of LSU baseball. You know, I said on this show last year, I mean, I, I wanted to be LSU. And there's a lot of bitterness in many respects between the fan bases, especially on the Mississippi State side, because we had been the program in SEC baseball. And all of a sudden, Skip Burtman and those guys come along and kind of take the mantle away from us. You know, prior to Skip Burtman arriving at LSU, they had been to one NCAA tournament in their school's history. So they were an also-ran if there ever was one. The next thing you know, they're winning national championships and winning a bunch of them. LSU is a brand. They are a national brand. That wasn't always the case, for sure. But uh, Tigers uh, have been pretty good this year, not as good as some people anticipated. Or, or maybe maybe not, that's not correct. Maybe the expectations for LSU were probably a little bit lofty. You know, they were ranked you know, top 10 to begin the year by a lot of people. I think now, I think most people realize, you know, hey, it's going to take Jay Johnson a couple of years to kind of get his guys, even though he had some really good transfers come in. And there was a nucleus of very good players there already. Maybe top 10 was a little bit ambitious. But the Tigers get off to a great start with a three-game sweep of Maine, you know, the Bears of Maine. You know, it's, it's difficult to even mention that name in Mississippi State circles because of that inexplicable loss on the football field we had to those guys. But LSU – dominated that series 13-1, 17-8, and 21-6. Everybody said, okay, well, here come the Tigers. Well, then the next Wednesday they lose to Louisiana Tech, and the game really wasn't as competitive as I think some people expected, 11-6 for Lane Burroughs and the Bulldogs up there in Ruston. Towson State, you may be somewhat familiar with them. Uh, those guys go in and play Southern and LSU, in a four-game series, kind of like the old Bulldog Classic there. LSU wins the first game – excuse me, LSU beats Towson State 6-0, then beats Southern 9-2, beats Towson 11-1, and then Southern 15-0. That game called in just seven innings. Then the Privateers of New Orleans, LSU gets those guys 11-3. They go down to the Shriners 
Hospital for Children College Classic in Houston, Texas. And they beat Oklahoma. And while Oklahoma is not expected to be a Big 12 power this year, it's still a very solid Power 5 win. They didn't lose to former number one Texas 6-1, to and then Baylor gets them 9-6. to So not a great weekend down in Houston. And, you know, there's a huge alumni base for LSU in Houston. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, purple and gold there in the stands. They come back the next week. They they beat McNeese State 6-3. And then they sweep a three-game series against Bethune-Cookman. 8-7-5-1-15-0. Bethune-Cookman used to be a very, very solid uh, G5-type baseball program. But, yeah, you see, you know, outside of that Shriners Classic, I mean, the competition that LSU was facing – not very good. Uh, they beat Tulane, our friends down there. They beat them 7-5 to five there at Alex Box. They open SEC play at home at the box against Texas A&M. Texas A&M picked dead last in the West this year. They were right in the Baton Rouge and take two of three. 6-4, 11-7. And then LSU wins a tightly contested game on Sunday, 7-6, to six, to avoid the sweep. How detrimental would that be to your postseason resume to open up the first week of SEC play? And go 0-3. Louisiana Tech proves again it was no fluke. Uh, Louisiana Tech goes into Alex Box Stadium. They win that game 7-6. Many of you watched that game. I know I did. So that's two big wins for Lane Burroughs and the Bulldogs of Ruston against LSU. LSU just when it appears they're reeling. They go into number nine Florida. And, man, how, how far has Florida fallen? It's like, you know – just when you think you've got college baseball figured out, you know, Florida returns so many offensive weapons. And then you say, well, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan's one of the better pitching coaches in the country, and they always recruit so well there. Florida will be really good. Well, they haven't been. And really kind of the first uh, chink in the armor was LSU going in there and taking two of three at the Florida ballpark. The Gators take game 1-7-2, and then LSU absolutely pounds Florida pitching the next two days, 16-4 and 11-2. Really a nice statement for the LSU Tigers, even though they were unranked at the moment. They had dropped from 16th to unranked after the uh, series against Texas A&M. They get back into the top 25 after taking care of Florida, and then they knock off Louisiana Monroe 15-4. Now, last weekend, Auburn – Rolls into Baton Rouge, and they take two of three. The Friday night game, a 6-5 decision in favor of the Tigers of Auburn. LSU rallies on Saturday to win 9-2, and then Auburn wins the rubber game on Sunday, 6-4. Tigers in action earlier this week with a 16-3 win over Grambling uh, in seven innings. It's the same Grambling team that really gave us some trouble. We win that game 2-1 thanks in large part to a Brad Cumbus home run. Uh, to put the game away. And Jack Walker, a Louisiana native, had a really good showing in that ball game. And Parker Stinnett comes in, uh, puts together one of his better outings of the early part of the season. So now LSU returns to Duty Noble Field. Now, they have had a lot of success over the years in Starkville. We have not won a series against them at home since 2003. Now, that has been really I guess you'd say shouted from the rooftops this week, but it has been so long since we have earned a series victory over these guys in our own ballpark. We did win the series last year and and very easily could have swept the ball game. You recall that Sunday game, uh, Eric Sarantola is spotted with a 2 nothing lead and then comes out and basically gifts those two runs back. And eventually Jackson Fristo comes in, and Jackson was actually tagged with a loss 
uh, despite the fact that he pitched really well. State was finally able to pull even in that ball game, and then uh, they hit a couple long balls. The next thing you know, the game kind of gets away from us a little bit. But uh, LSU salvages that game. And then, of course, the Tigers, you know, down the stretch were just so up and down. I think ideally you look at these Tigers and you think, okay, well, these guys are – you know, kind of the measuring stick in the SEC West, and they've really kind of lost favor here in recent years. I would venture to say that LSU arguably the fourth best team in the SEC West behind Arkansas State and Ole Miss uh, here in recent years. And, and, and who would have thought you'd see that coming? You know, Paul Maneri, I think in many respects, when he lost Andy Cannizzaro, really lost his right-hand guy when it came to recruiting – and now you're kind of seeing that kind of come to fruition. You see the fact that you lose a premium recruiter like Andy Cannizzaro if you're LSU, and you can't just recruit off reputation. So this is a team last year that, that had to chase and chase and chase, and, and they were one of the last teams that were included in the NCAA turnip, tournament uh, bracket. And a lot of that, too, I think, was just kind of a, kind of a parting gift to Paul Maneri. And, it, and listen, the, the Tigers did well you know, did just enough to kind of keep themselves within striking distance, but they had every opportunity to kind of remove all doubt last year, and they didn't. And, again, I think that's a lack of talent. You know, and then they had, a, you know, they had a couple of pretty good front-line pitchers last year, and then, uh, you know, Xavier tells the, tears the UCL, and uh, you had some other guys kind of step up and do some big things for them. But, you know, it just wasn't the typical LSU team. It's been a while. You know, LSU hadn't been LSU in a while. That's the thing that I think about sometimes, too. It's like, you know, it's almost like a rite of passage. You look at these things and you begin to think, okay, well, LSU's, they'll, they'll be back this year. It just hadn't really worked out that way. You know, and the LSU Tigers, that's a proud program. I mean, it really is. You know, they've won the NAFL championship now six times. Of course, Skip wins five from 91 to 2000, one of the most dominant teams, uh, you know, since uh, the early years of USC. And then Paul Maneri, of course, wins back in 2009. 17 was probably the best chance in recent years, and they lose to Florida. Florida's long national championship. And, and let's take a break from LSU just a second here. I've wanted to address this on the show for some time, and uh, I always think about it kind of in hindsight. You know, I sat there in Georgia and uh, at Foley Field, and, of course, we lose the series there. But I looked out there, and I saw that national championship, you know, sign out there at Georgia. And I said to myself, I don't want to be Georgia. I don't. You, know, you can only begin to imagine, you know, the, you know, the excitement they had. They, they won an AFL championship back in 1990. And you think, hey, you listen, we're off and running. It's 32 years later. And I would venture to say that Georgia, historically, has been one of the, the, the biggest underachievers in Southeastern Conference baseball. They never really capitalized on that NAFL championship. I don't want to be Georgia. I want to be LSU. That's who I want to be. I mean, oh, we win one, and then there's another one that comes in quick succession. Now, it doesn't feel like this is the year for that to happen for Mississippi State. But I certainly don't want to be Georgia. And I don't want to be Florida either, even if Florida's won, more, won, won one more recently. You know, it's the thing you look at Florida, you think, how in the world do they only have one NAFL championship? Well, they do. I mean, they played for it a couple times, but that's it, you know. And so I don't want that for our program. Now that we finally achieved, you know, the ultimate goal of winning the NAFL championship, I don't want to be satisfied with that. I don't think anybody associated with Mississippi State baseball feels that they're satisfied. I think everybody is still, you know, grinding and pushing to get the next one. But I don't want to be, you know, 30 years from now, you know, I probably won't even be here. 
But, you know, looking out there at Duty Noble Field and seeing that 2021 NAFL championship sign out there and thinking, yeah, that was great back then, but we never really did anything about it. We never really capitalized on it. We have to capitalize on that. You know, now that we have removed uh, the punchline of Mississippi State can never win the big one, it's time to go get another one. And, again, it may not be this year. I don't feel that it is. But I don't want to be here 30 years from now having to tell my grandkids about, yeah, one year we kind of got to put it all together. It all worked out really well for us. And we finally won an AFL championship, and that's our claim to fame. I don't want to, I don't want to have that. You know, I want my kids and grandkids, people like that, to be able to celebrate more NAFL championships. And I know that your administration is committed to doing that. But I don't want to be Georgia. I want to be LSU. All right, let's take a quick look now at, um, you know, we've talked about these recent years with LSU. We talk about getting back to LSU, and, and that's what Scott Woodard does. You know, he goes out and signs, you know, the he goes and gets the big coach. He gets the big splash hire. And while many of you may be unfamiliar with Jay Johnson, that is a huge hire. That's a guy that's very well respected in college baseball circles. Of course, you know, they came in here and beat us in a Super Regional here uh, back in 2016 and went on to play for a NAFL championship and they lose to Coastal Carolina. It should have been us. It should have been. But uh, Jay is a guy that everybody likes. I mean, you, you don't find people in college baseball circles that have negative things to say about Jay Johnson. And so to go get him, to hire him away from Arizona, that's a team, too, that's got, you know, a lot of tradition. Arizona's a team, too. You could make an argument, you know, probably a top-10 team historically in college baseball. You know, one of the best programs in the country. And then Scott Woodard at LSU goes and hires their coach and brings him to the Southeastern Conference. And, listen, LSU will get back to beat LSU, but it has been a while since LSU has been LSU. Those are the things I think about. And we, and we, we kind of – you know, kind of endured the Skip Burpin years. But, uh, you know, let's go back here a little bit and just take a quick look here. You know, 2009, you know, they won the NAFL championship. And then the very next year, they go 14 and 16 in the SEC. Then they go 13 and 17 in the SEC. Then 19 and 11, 23 and 7, 13 was a good year for them, for sure. They win the SEC West. They win the SEC tournament, finish up with a final ranking of four. 2014, 17, 11, and 1 in the SEC, 46 wins overall. And, again, they win the SEC tournament and have a final ranking of 22nd in the country. 2015, great year for them, SEC champions with a final ranking of 5. 2016, 19, 11 in the league, final ranking of 12. 2017, they win the West, co-champions of the SEC, win the SEC tournament, and then finished ranked second in the country. That was a great LSU team to win 52-20. 2018, then this is like the, after 17, LSU really hasn't done much. Really hadn't done much at all. 2018, they put together a 500 year in the conference. They don't even win 40 games overall, 39-27. and 27. They don't make the tournament. 2019, 40 and 26, 17 and 13 in the league, final ranking of 14. In uh, 2020, 12 and 5. And of course, we don't play SEC games. And then last year, Paul Maneri's final season in Baton Rouge, they go 38 and 25, 13 and 17 in the league. It's pretty rare to see a team that's 13 and 17 make it, but they did. RPI was decent, but it's pretty rare to see a team 13 and 17 
make an NCAA regional. And you know as well as I do, he probably got the benefit of the doubt because Paul Maneri and his dad have done so much for the game of college baseball. So, again, it's been a few years since LSU has really been the dominant team. Those are the things that I think about. You know, it's like, of course, we didn't have a tournament in 20, but, you know, just kind of, you know, backing up here, you're looking at, um, you know, what they did, you know, in 17, you know, that they lose two games to none against Florida. And then in 18, they get beaten a regional by Oregon State. 19, they're eliminated by Florida State in the Super Regional. That's uh, – that's 11's last year, man. That's Coach Mike Martin going down there. And, uh, you know, they got hot late, ended up going to Omaha with us. And I, I consider it such an honor to be there in his final press conference. And, uh, you know, but it was big. LSU was expected to have a good team that year. And uh, Florida State goes in there and wins the Super. And then last year, of course, uh, the LSU ends up winning the regional at Eugene, which was, you know, a bit of a surprise. I think a lot of people expect them to go out there and, and, and get routed. They didn't. And then they end up losing to Tennessee in the Super Regional in Knoxville. You know, so they make it to the Supers, but nobody really gave them a real chance to beat Tennessee. I was pulling for LSU um, because Tennessee scared me a little bit. You know, I thought, hey, if we run into LSU in the tournament, I feel a little bit better about that. But, uh, again, they just haven't been what they have been, which is one of the reasons, you know, you know, Maneri makes a change. There was all this discussion last year, even before the season began, that LSU would make a change. And I think a lot of it kind of centered around, you know, Maneri's had some had some neck issues and that sort of stuff, some medical issues. And I understand at times he'd have to walk back in the tunnel and you know, just kind of stretch out a little bit and grimace and kind of get things going. And so, you know, while Paul Maneri wasn't exactly the most popular guy in Starkville, Mississippi, it's, uh, it's irresponsible and probably disingenuous not to give him credit for the things that he's done for the college game. And I know that, that there's a lot of people, too, that uh, you don't think a lot of coach because of the fact that um, some of the things he said about Starkville, was there some bitterness about not getting the job? He pursued the job at Mississippi State when he was at Notre Dame and didn't get the job. You know, is there something to that? Probably. Yeah, probably so. You know, he and John Cohen had the war of words a few times. I'll never forget Kendall Graveman buzzing the tower with Mason Katz. Mason Katz come in here and killed us on Friday and Saturday, buzzed the dugout after a home run, talked a bunch of trash, and then next thing you know, Kendall Graveman throws about head high, probably six, seven inches behind him, took him completely out of the game. State wins the game on Sunday. I asked Kendall Graveman a couple summers ago, had a chance to sit down and interview Kendall, who is a fantastic person, really looked – Excited for him to have a good year for the White Sox. And he was good last year for the Astros, of course, came over in that late trade. But he goes, you know, I don't remember what – I don't remember all that stuff, Steve. You know, that's what Kendall says, but you and I both know. There was a message behind every bit of that. All right, let's take a quick look at the LSU Tiger off. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store 
have a complimentary beverage or two, shop a new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Defense, uh, Jacob Berry uh, leading the team with a 371 average and got some pop to go along with it too. You know, he's not just a punch and Judy hitter. 43 hits, which leads a team. Also has nine home runs, which is second on the team and 30 RBIs. That's kind of right there in the middle of the pack among the leaders. Uh, but a guy doing a good job for him. Doesn't strike out a whole lot, just 12 Ks. Doesn't walk a whole lot either, just 13 walks. But uh, – a guy that's putting the ball in play with an on-base percentage of 457. Cade Doty, we know Cade pretty well. Cade's a guy last year that got hot and hit some home runs for those guys. He's hitting 365. Also got some long ball in his game, too. Seven dingers for him, 32 ribbies, 14 doubles, which leads a team. So you got to do a good job keeping that guy off, the, off out of the gaps and off base. Also a guy that's uh, done a pretty good job running the bases for them. Uh, three of four on the year in stolen base attempts. Not that LSU steals a lot, but they're kind of opportunistic. Uh, Dylan Cruz, a lot of people expect him to be among, among the first players drafted. You know, when it was a surprise that he even came out of college. He's hitting 342, uh, 
34 runs scored for him, which is a team high. And then 39 hits, three doubles, four triples, which leads a team, and then eight home runs. So, I mean, he's right there you know, among the leaders in every offensive statistical category. He's also been hit by the pitch seven times. That's one thing, too. You look at this LSU offense, that number really jumps out as a team. They have been hit by the pitch 72 times. You say, Steve, 72? Yes, yeah, 72 times. And we're a team, too, that, that sometimes will throw inside and hit pitchers. you got a couple different guys on this team that got double-digit hit by pitches. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah, I thought so, too. All right, uh, 24 strikeouts for Dylan Cruz, which is a little bit high compared to the rest of, the, of his uh, you know, peers there at LSU. Second-highest number of strikeouts on the team. But, uh, you know, a, a guy that's an exceptional athlete that's going to play pro ball someday. Uh, Trey Morgan's a guy that really turned heads last year. He is an extremely athletic first baseman. Uh, a, a guy, too, that, that at times will kind of drift too far away from the bag and kind of make things a little more difficult on the uh, the coverage, you know, kind of tossing to the pitcher. Or sometimes, too, he kind of gets over there, doesn't always play his role. But uh, this is a guy, too, that's got a very bright future ahead of him. He was a guy, too, last year that kind of had a hole in his swing, too. He really struggled with fastballs up. He has done a better job of that this year, hitting 331 this year. Uh, has started all 29 games for the Tigers and uh, 30 runs scored, 39 hits, uh, nine doubles, a triple, and a couple of home runs. Power numbers still not quite there, but trust me, when this guy gets in the minors, uh, he's going to take off. Really like the makeup of his game. And again, he's such so athletic at first base. Uh, he can save you some errors, even though LSU has made a ton of them. Uh, 14 Ks, but 11 hit by pitches. 13 walks, 11 hit by pitches. You kind of do the math there. Uh, Braden Jobert, a great Louisiana baseball name, hitting 320. Uh, another guy, too, that does a pretty good job. Once he gets on base, he finds a way to get around. 29 runs scored, 32 hits, seven doubles, and leads the team with 10 home runs. And it's going to be interesting, too, to see how it works this weekend. You know, even though the Duty Noble is more of an offensive park since the renovation, it's not at all what LSU is. Now, LSU also 38 uh, ribbies from Braden Gilbert, too. So, this is a guy, too, that can hurt you. You need to make sure if he's on base or if he comes to the plate, there's not guys on, in front of him. You can't walk guys and then get to him because he will make you pay for it. And he's a guy that likes to swing. It's a little swing and miss in his game. But uh, this is a guy, too, that it can absolutely hurt you. Jordan Thompson hitting 317. You say, well, Steve, how many of these guys hitting above 300? Well, the regular 600. How about that? Let that sink in for a second. This is an offensive lineup. There's not a lot of holes in this lineup. You can't just assume outs with these guys. you got to go out there and make pitches and let the defense play behind you. Jordan Thompson, of course, you know another guy, too, that maybe not as heralded as some of the guys on this team. Uh, Ten doubles for him and a couple of dingers, too. 17 RBIs, but you know he is the guy that's going to get on base for you. Uh, 18 walks, which is tied for the team high, too. Uh, Gavin Dugas, a guy, it seems like he's been there forever. You know, three dingers for him this year and 20 ribbies, but uh, he's hitting 299. Just one, you know, if he gets one more base hit against Grambling, all of a sudden you've got seven guys in this lineup hitting 300 or better. So we're going to have to go out there and pitch it well. We're going we're to have to make plays. We can't give them things. You know, there's another guy, too, that um, Hayden Stravinsky is another guy, too, has been a little bit banged up this year, started eight games. He's hitting 313. And so, you know, basically – you look at this lineup, you got a ton of guys out here that can swing it. Uh, Giovanni DiGiacomo is another guy, too. It's been there forever and a day. You know, he hit the big home run at Hoover 
uh, to tie that game late. It looked like we were about to put that thing away. Josh Stevenson is a guy that's been around for a while, too. Basically, now we're serving kind of as a defensive reserve. And Alex Malazzo is a guy that's the backup catcher there. So, you know, they've got this as a veteran team. It's a really veteran team. You know, th- these are a lot of guys, too, that have been around. You know, Cade Beloso is a guy that's been there forever. He's not doing much at all. Not exactly sure what his situation is, but it seems like he has been there forever. Absolutely forever. Now, we have mentioned, too, about errors. And this is a team that is really struggling defensively. 45 errors, which is a phenomenal number of errors for an SEC team. Now, we have booted it around a little bit ourselves, too. But uh, as a team, these guys have really struggled. Uh, Jordan Thompson, 10 errors for him. 10. Goodness, how does that guy stay in the lineup, right? Uh, Collier Cranford is a guy that hadn't played a whole lot. They played him some at short on Tuesday. And he was a guy, too, you know, played some at second for him last year and booted the ball around against us. So, again, not a great defensive team. And, it, and that's I think it's so important, too, to put the ball in play. Put the ball in play. Make them play defense. K. Doty, nine errors on the season for him. They even moved him to shortstop. You know, he's regular, regular third baseman. They moved him over to shortstop. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of errors there, too. And maybe that's a part of the deal, too. But, you know, this is a team that will give you extra outs. And that's where Mississippi State has got to make them pay. And that's the thing that State has done a really good job of this year. You know, we hadn't always been able to string together the three-hit inning. But you know what? You start walking people and you start committing errors, and more times than not, we'll make you pay. We may not get the big hit, but we do find a way to get a run a run in. And I think that's going to be an important part of things for Mississippi State is when they give you extra outs, you and the baseball gods have to make them pay. All right, let's look at LSU pitching. Uh, interesting group, to say the least. Um, so, you know, looking at these these records here, you know, there's a lot of guys out here that have uh, done a good job for LSU. But, uh, you know, Blake Money is a guy that, uh, again, has been around there for a while. Seven appearances, seven starts. You know, 38 innings pitch, which leads a team. Giving up less than a hit per inning, though, 33 out of 38. He is a guy, too, that um, yeah, he'll walk you a little bit, a little bit less than 3-to-1 ratio and strike out the walk, 13 walks on the year. Also has kind of shown the propensity to give up the long ball. Six home runs against him this year. Opponents hitting 229 against him. Uh, Mikael Hilliard, we know him. This is a guy, too, that's, uh, again, been around for a little while. And it's actually a guy that's got a pretty bright future. A lot of people really like him. They think he projects well. And, uh, you know, former reliever, I guess. And now he's got six starts under his belt, 29 innings pitched, giving up right at a hit per inning at 28 and 29. Uh, He's allowed 16 runs on the year. And uh, not walking a lot of people. And that's big for him. 28 Ks, nearly 6-1 to one on the strikeout-to-walk ratio. So this is a guy that's got swing and miss stuff. Not going to put you on, but he's hittable. 243 batting average against, which is uh, among the highest allowed. He also has hit five hitters, too. So control at times is a little bit of an issue. But, again, he kind of dials it back in. Doesn't make more than uh, multi- you know, two or three pitches that are uh, you know, bad in each at bat. Uh, Ty Floyd is a guy, too, with five starts under his belt with a 3.38 ERA, 24 innings pitch. He's been a little stingier. Opponents are hitting just 171 against him, 14 hits, uh, 10 earned runs, 15 walks, 30 Ks. So two to one there, you know, that, that's probably a winning combination for us. 
and also a guy, too, that's willing to give up the, the long ball, six doubles this year and then, and then four home runs. Uh, and, again, he's not working as deep in the ball games as maybe some other guys are, but, uh, you know, a guy that uh, has certainly done some good things for them, seven appearances, uh, you know, on the year with five starts. Sam Dutton is a guy, too, that's been around for a little bit, too. Uh, got one loss charged against him. He has uh, worked as a reliever for them and a part-time starter. We may see him. You know, uh, Trent Vetmeyer is a guy that we have seen multiple times. Saw him last year. Had some success against him. Uh, he's got, you know, appeared in 10 games all in relief and has one win in relief. But as a guy, too, that, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't give you a whole lot. You know, he's just not a guy that gives up a lot of hits. He, he does have some swing and miss. Uh, 23 Ks against just seven walks. Devin Fontenot is another guy that's been around. There were some people last year wanting to run him off at LSU. But, you know, he's a guy, too. You know, he, he wasn't as reliable as they wanted him to be, but he got some things together later in the year. You know, so you know, there's, there's some dudes out here that we're going to see. You know, and uh, I don't know if they have, you know, a designated closer. I know last year they wanted Fontenot to be that guy. I think uh, Eric Reiselman is a guy that uh, has kind of emerged as a, kind of a late-inning guy for them, pitching one-inning stints, 13 appearances this year, uh, averaging just over an inning per appearance. Allowed 12 hits, three three earned runs, 30 Ks against seven walks. And that's one of the things you want when you bring in a reliever is guys that can pound the strike zone. So Devin Fontenot kind of up and down. As a matter of fact, opponents are hitting 254 against him, but Reiselman, or Reiselman, uh 179. So this is a solid LSU team. You know, they were six and four in their last ten. And of course they win the uh, the ballgame on Tuesday. So they're not going to be intimidated. That said, they're a team that has not done exceptionally well in SEC play. And I think that's one of those things to kind of be look at and be cognizant of as well is that, you know, they have gotten fat against some really bad competition. Not so much, you know, against SEC pitching. And uh, I'm trying to pull up those numbers right now just so I think it's important if we can – if they will provide those numbers for us, I'll share that information with you. But uh, SEC play has just kind of been – a little bit up and down for those guys. But, um, you know, looking here real quickly, just kind of give you a little bit of an overview, look at the game-by-game game stuff. Uh, that first game against Auburn, they get after them pretty good. Ten hits in the first game, seven in the second, nine in the third. Uh, the second game, they just couldn't get people around. Just to score the two runs there. And, of course, they, uh, then they lose the ball game, 13 Ks. And, and that's the thing when I look at, you know, here as of late, you know, they're just uh, – excuse me, as a pitching numbers, goodness gracious. All right, look at the hitting numbers here. So, uh, 16 hits, excuse me, 18 hits and 16 runs against Grambling. But in SEC play, you know, against Auburn, you know, it's, they score, you know, five runs, nine runs, four runs, uh, nine hits, 12 and 11. So, they're putting some balls in play, just not always being very efficient with that. Now, Florida was a much different deal. You know, in the, in the Saturday-Sunday game, the two games they won, it's double-digit hits, just two hits on Friday night. And that's really more about Florida starting pitching than it is the LSU offense. You know, you you got to get those guys off balance and change speeds against them. Uh, they didn't have a lot of big numbers against A&M. You know, of course, they salvaged the one game with 11 hits. But outside of that, you know, six, seven hits a ball game. Uh, so they're going to get some guys on base. They're going to have some traffic on the base pass. We're just going to have to play good defense and not give them outs and give them runs because that ultimately that's what gets you beat. So – We'll see how things go. I'll be honest with you. I think we're going to win the series. And uh, I know it's going to be nip and tuck. 
you know, it's going to boil down to a rubber game. And people say, oh, man, Steve, if we could sweep, we could sweep. It would be incredible. I just don't feel it. You know, I just don't have enough confidence in Saturday pitching. I think Preston Johnson has been good. He is due, you know, for a uh, another good outing. I think Preston's a guy, too, that we know will go out there and compete. But, you know, against a, a trajectory offense like LSU, you better be careful hanging at breaking ball because they will absolutely make you pay. But, yeah, can we win this series? Yes, we can. Do I expect it? Yes, I do. Do I expect a sweep? Absolutely not. I don't. Now, Parker Stanett, of course, has been kind of feast or famine. There are some games he goes out there and he's absolutely outstanding. In other games, you, you wonder how he made the roster. You know, and that's a lot of that, too, is you've got a guy that's you know, a middle reliever that's now working into a starting role. And so, you know, again, when he's on, he's really good. And when he's bad, he's really bad. And one thing that we've learned is that when things go south with him, they go south in a hurry. And there are times you struggle to even get guys out in the bullpen, like we saw last weekend against Arkansas. I mean, it all fell apart in the second inning. And you, you can't explain it. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it. When a guy loses it, he just simply loses it. So we don't need him to lose it this weekend. We need him to go out there and make LSU work the count, and but also, too, put the ball in play and let the defense work behind him. As a matter of fact, let's call Parker Stinnett our prime shrimp player of focus this week as we kind of get ready for that. You know, prime shrimp has done a great job there in Louisiana. We don't want LSU to enjoy any shrimp this weekend. We really don't. We want to be the ones enjoying shrimp. And you can find that at primeshrimp.com. A great New Orleans-based company that's been peeling shrimp since the 1940s. You say, Steve, I'd love to have shrimp, but it's just so much trouble. And you know what? I understand that. That's why I'm introducing you to Prime Shrimp. You're going to get these great ready-to-use pouches delivered right to your home. Well-packaged, well-cooled. You don't have to worry about the mailman dropping them off in the morning and then be ruined by the time you get home in the evening. They can sit outside all day. I would venture to say if the temperature falls just right, they may can sit out there all night. I don't know that I'd want to do that, but they, but they certainly could. It's very well packaged. Four great flavors now. You've got the Simply Seasoned. You've got the French Quarter Alfredo. You've got the Louisiana Shrimp Bowl. Uh, and, and, and now you've got the, uh, you know, the garlic butter. I mean, it's great. Be sure and check them all out. And the best thing about it is, too, you don't have to peel them. You don't have to devein them. You don't have to pull the tails off. You just drop a bowl of pot of water and drop that pouch in there. Open the pouch up. Drop the contents in there. Ten minutes later, boom ready-to-serve shrimp. You can't beat it, man. Be sure and use promo code BONEYARD when you go to Prime Shrimp to save a little money off your order. You'll be glad you did. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's a risk-free purchase. If you don't love it, you get your money back. But again, Parker Stinnett. I think Parker Stinnett's performance is probably the difference in winning the series and sweeping the series. I think it really is that simple. And you hate to put that kind of pressure on a guy. But when you begin to think about how do we do we have enough relievers to piece together three wins? And I don't believe we do. Now, can you piece it together on Friday? Let's say Preston Johnson gives you six, and then you go out there, maybe you get an inning or two from Brooks Auger. Well, then that, if you get three, it may burn him for the weekend. Maybe you use Fristo for one. Well, then you get into Saturday, and you start thinking, okay, I've got Brandon Smith, I can use him. I've got Mikey Tepper, I can use him. Well, then I get into Sunday. I feel like Kate Smith can get me six, but how do I get the final three? I just don't know that I've got guys. You know, then Drew Talley and Cole Cheatham have to come into to play here. And so, you know, I think State's got to get good starting pitching and work deeper into the ball games. You can't have, you know, 100 pitch counts in the fifth inning. We're just not going to have enough relievers to cover, 20, you know, a dozen innings out of the bullpen. 
And those were the things that concerned me. You know, if Parker Stinnett goes out there and leaves in a, a tie ball game in the sixth inning, you know, who do I have on the back end that's going to be able to get us there? We, you know, this has been a concern the entire year. But the reality of it is I just don't know if we've got a bullpen that can secure three wins for us. I don't. And that's the, one of the main reasons that I'm expecting to be a two out of three game. I do think the Bulldogs will be better at home. I think State uh, had a, a kind of a turning point in many respects Sunday to Arkansas, kind of get that monkey off their back. They swung the bats really well on Tuesday. I don't look for the ball to carry much on Friday and Saturday. That might actually help State pitching because LSU was kind of built on the long ball. But, you know, we have kind of come relying on the uh, home run here as of late ourselves. And so I, I don't think they're going to be high-scoring games, but we'll see. If we go out there and walk 14 people, it certainly will be. But I think Parker Stinnett is, is a huge factor this weekend, and we need him to go out there and have a good start. All right, time to get into today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, and uh, I like having powerful friends. I like having friends with know-how. I know you do, too. I know you get excited about that. It's like, hey, I know a guy or I know a gal or a lady, a woman, that is an expert in certain fields of expertise. Blair is a mortgage professional, 21 years in the industry, works for Fairway Mortgage, recently named number one customer satisfaction when it came to mortgage origination. So you got the best guy from the best company. Top 1% close ratio in the country. How about that? And maybe in the past you've been places and you've been turned down before. Maybe it's because you didn't have a good originator. Maybe you didn't have somebody willing to go out there and fight for you when it comes to underwriting. Or maybe somebody that kind of knows the tricks of the trade says, hey, here's how we package this loan. Here's what we do to get this loan approved. You, know, you don't stay in an industry for 20-plus years by accident. you got to be successful. And that's who Blair Chandler is. Go to CloseWithBlair.com. at C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And here's the deal, too. I'm going to give you his personal phone number. And when you call or text him or email him or tweet him or whatever you do, carrier pigeons, you let him know. You, you tie a little note on that little pigeon's leg. And you say, hey, I heard about you on the boneyard, and Blair's going to pay for your appraisal. How about that? That's about a $500 value. Blair's number is 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. You don't have to sit on hold all day. That's his personal cell number. You're not having to go through a receptionist or get transferred around to 100 different places. You're going right to the guy. Again, that's Blair Chandler with Fairway Mortgage. Close with Blair.com. All right, top 10 list. Uh, Roy's suggestion today. And he's been on me for a while, and every so often Roy gets a little passive-aggressive with me. He does, you know, hey, maybe, just maybe, you'll do one of my ideas this week. And, he, I, and he, he texts me, but I imagine, like, that's how he says it, like in his head when he texts me. And if you don't know Roy, you, you, you probably if you do, you know I'm right. That's probably what Roy does. Steve never uses my ideas. Well, I'm using yours today, Roy. Roy says, let's do a top 10 list of all the singers or all the artists that use one name. One name. And, of course, this is a very interesting list. And this is kind of a more modern phenomenon, too. You know, when I was a kid, there wasn't a lot of people out there that, you know, you knew who Elvis was, but he was Elvis Presley. And so, well, yeah, he went by Elvis. Well, I mean, yeah, but he was Elvis Presley. You know, a lot of people out there that have stage names, of course, that – 
you know, you kind of know it all. It's just like, uh, you know, Beyonce knows. I don't have her on the list. And some of you are kind of cringing right now just because you call her Beyonce or Queen Bee or whatever. Ultra talented. But I don't see her as like a one-name artist. And maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't include her. And it's nothing against her or anything. I, I love Jay-Z, you know. Um, but, and I love Destiny's Child, too. So here we go, and it's going to be, um, you know, it, again, it's kind of an eclectic group. It's not like all rock or all R&B or all whatever, but there are just some names out there that are you know, kind of synonymous with hit music that are known, you know, for, for single-word nomenclature. So we're going to start with one, and many of you, this is a song many of you may not have heard because you may have known her from the Ordinary Love Days. We're talking Chardet, spelled S-A-D-E. I don't know how we get Chardet out of that, but we do. And she is fabulous. I love her sound. I love her whole vibe. And when she made her big comeback here several years ago, it seems like forever ago now, she had a great song called Soldier of Love. I love the percussion on this, and I love the fact that uh, she sings so soulfully over the top of it. So there you go. Chardet's Soldier of Love, number 10 on your list. Number nine, Because I'm Fun. And you are too. We're going with Pink. Pink. I have no idea what her real name is. I think. Like if I thought about if I was like on Jeopardy or something, I might. I think maybe it's Alicia, I think. But I don't know the full name. But Pink. And uh, the, the song for me that kind of pulled me in with her was uh, you know, Get This Party Started. I still listen to that sometimes too when I'm riding around. Because I'm ready to get the party started. Number nine, Pink. Get This Party Started. Uh, number eight, and they call her Riri. They call her all sorts of things. And uh, she is an incredible music and fashion icon. It's Rihanna. Uh, Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. I'm getting my Stevie Nicks thing hung up in my head there. But uh, she's had a lot of huge hits. The one for me where I kind of felt like uh, that she was going to be a star. wasn't. I like Palm the Replay, but I like... I thought Rude Boy was a huge hit, and it seemed like when it was out on, on uh, Top 40 Radio, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing it. And so that, I'm going with that one, with Rihanna, uh, Rude Boy. I, I, think, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great track. I think her delivery on the track is great. Uh, number seven, a guy that we don't talk about very often, and uh, he's known as Usher, but I do remember when he was on Star Search, he was Usher Raymond. But I wanted to get him on the list. And uh, I think Usher is absolutely phenomenal. And also a really good dancer. He was a guy, too, when uh, R&B kind of had this shift, he brought you know, kind of performance dance kind of back to the genre in many respects. He wasn't too, too cool to dance. Usher is a very talented guy. Still don't understand what happened with him in Chile. I like the scoop. I like the 411. I don't know how you ruin that, Usher. It's probably one of the biggest mistakes in life. But... Along those lines, we're going to go with You Make Me Wanna from Usher, which the guitar on that thing, I think, really sets it apart. It's very well. Um, the composition of the song is, is, is very, very good. But it's Usher's You Make Me Wanna as number seven. Uh, number six, going back uh, to the early to mid-90s, and this guy is a musical savant, plays seven instruments, I believe is correct. And there was all this controversy a few years ago when he won the Grammy you know, like, it's like you've got these um, music factories out there where you have like 12 to 13 songwriters and then 17 musicians, and then you've got Beck kind of just sitting in his basement just churning out 
critically acclaimed music left and right. But I went back to the beginning because, uh, you know, save all your food stamps. We're burning down a trailer park. It's Loser from Beck. When that thing first came out, my, me and my friend Jim Winter, we thought that was the most amazing song. And the video was even better because Beck never took himself too seriously. And it's like, yeah, I'm a loser, so why don't you kill me? You know, it's almost like you could tell that he meant it. You know, he was kind of like Napoleon Dynamite before any of that stuff happened. You know, it's just it was just amazing when Beck hit the scene. You know, he had Where It's At. I got two turntables and a microphone. It's like everything he did was kind of like poking fun at himself. Um, get crazy with the cheese whiz. I mean, it was Beck was incredible and still is. Still is. I mean, guy's still making amazing music. Just doesn't get the radio play he used to. But again, I have no idea what his name is. I just know him as Beck. Number five, and uh, I started not to include this gentleman because he's part of a band. But I, I, you know, what is Bono's full name? I don't know. Maybe you guys know. And I had somebody recently in one of these music threads that I jump into and I share things about how bad Green Day and Everclear and Blink-182 and those bands are. Somebody said, oh, U2 is the most overrated band in the history of the world. I, I completely disagree with that. I think U2 is very, very talented. Now, I think they I think they have some filler in some of those albums. Joshua Tree wasn't one of them. And I don't think uh, War was one of them either. Uh, there's some great ones for sure. So we're going to go with Bono, but I'm not going to go with a traditional hit from them. You know, this is like right around the time that I was, right before I got clean and sober. My favorite song from U2, and it's really the one that kind of made me feel like, you know what, U2 is a little different. They're not just this like alt rock, fringe top forty type band. Because some of that stuff on Joshua Tree, I, I thought was a little bit contrived. I appreciate it more today because I was really, you know, I was more in the Motley Crue and Skid Row and Rat. So maybe I wasn't quite ready to hear you two. Uh, but the song "Mysterious Ways," I've always loved that song. I love the fact that it's kind of uh, mystical in a way. I don't mean to borrow that off the Mysterious Ways thing. I just think the the sound they use with the guitar, it just it sounds like it's almost the amp is almost underwater. They really do a good job kind of bending the sound and almost making it more of a danceable song. So Mysterious Ways, number five on your list. Bono from U2. Number four, another guy that made his name as part of a band and then had a very successful solo career is Sting. And he is number four on the list. And this is a guy, too, that's wrote a ton of hits. Could have gone with one of his band songs. I elected to go with one of his solo songs, and that's Fortress Around Your Heart. I believe that is off the Dream of the Blue Turtles, which is still a, a wild title for an album. I know it's a part of the lyrical content on one of the songs there. I would like to know the story behind that. So if you know it, please send it to me. What is the deal? The dream with the blue turtles. Is it a recurring dream that happens with Sting? Is like when he was doing all this. I mean, was Sting high when he wrote all this stuff? And he, you know, he get he hallucinated these blue turtles, and they got into the recesses of his mind, and he couldn't escape them. Is it a nightmare? Is it a pleasant dream? You know, is it uh, a premonition? What what is it? I, I I need to know. I might stay up tonight and research that. Uh, but Fortress Around Your Heart, I think, is a really, really good song. Number three, you know, arguably the biggest name in, in, uh, in pop music from a women's standpoint. I mean, you know, Madonna was the queen of pop you know, when I was coming up. And I remember when, uh, you know, Like a Virgin and all that stuff came out. I mean, 
it was so controversial, and it's like people just saw Virgin in the title and they freaked out. They thought, oh, my gosh, why is she singing about virginity? And they had absolutely nothing to do with that. You know, it's just like – and that was – it's kind of like today. And, and let me uh, – afford me a little latitude here, if you will. It's like today, how many people do you know that rush to Facebook and they read the title of an article and they don't read the article, they just comment based on the title? And it drives you insane. Well, we used to have that too in music. You know, back we, we didn't have social media back then, so we didn't have a written record of people being complete and utter idiots. But we had people that would, oh my gosh, what are they singing about? And they would never go listen to the song. They would never go read the liner notes, never get to know the lyrics. They would just automatically make these declarations about music, which is how the PMRC kind of rose to power. And if you don't know what the PMRC is, that was the Parents Music Resource Center that was founded by Tipper Gore, um, the wife of the founder of the Internet, Al Gore. Maybe you're familiar with that story. But that became a big deal, and uh, they ended up putting the explicit lyrics albums, sticker on albums, which guaranteed they would go platinum. But it's like all of a sudden these parents were like, well, wait a minute, I never knew that album said this, and they would take some things that were so completely out of context. And they would frame them up in a way that really kind of removed any type of artistic license. And they would just say, hey, this song is about this, you know, like Suicide Solution, you know, by Ozzy. You know, it was about Bon Scott. It was about Bon Scott drinking himself to death, you know, about, you know, suicide is done with liquor. Yeah, that's what it was about. But rather than get some context, they just would go run with it. And so Madonna got, you know, in the middle of all that stuff, too. It wasn't just the heavy metal bands or the rap artist, and there were a bunch of that crap too. And a lot of that was kind of lined with racism. You know, you had all these people that didn't understand, you know, the direction of music and and the stories that these people were telling. You know, sharing their pain and sharing their struggle, and they just figured, hey, well, you know, they're just making this stuff up and it's negative, and you know, they didn't understand that these people were kind of crying out. And this is how they dealt with the pain in their lives. And so but because of the fact that they looked and acted differently than the rest of us, they were like, well, they, they've got to be negative. And I'll be honest with you, you know, as a young kid growing up in South Mississippi, I thought NWA and Public Enemy were incredible. I, I mean, it, 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 the more that the PMRC and people like them railed against them, the more appealing it got to be to me. I thought, you know what, the reason these people are having this – overreaction is because they're threatened and if they're threatened then these guys must be right about something that's that's how the thing worked in my mind i know a lot of people even to this day so i don't like all that gangster rap stuff and you know what that's cool that's fine i loved it i still listen to it from time to time and i'll be honest with you growing up in south mississippi we were sheltered from a lot of that stuff we had no clue those things were going on around in our country none and so all of a sudden mtv kind of opened our eyes to that. It's like all of a sudden you find out, hey, people live and, and act differently than us, and there are a lot of people dealing with a lot of heavier stuff than we are. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it was about, hey, do you get a Zebco riding reel or do you get something else? You know, am I going to get a closed face or an open face, fishing pole, whatever? Do you buy the 20-gauge or the 12-gauge? I mean, that, that's what we thought about. Life was simple for us. It wasn't for a lot of our peers around the country. And so there was all of a sudden this – you know, this window to the world that never existed before 
that was brought to our living rooms by MTV, and there were a lot of people that simply couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle it. And, and that's what made us love, love MTV that much more because these people that we did not identify with were telling us these people that we did, hey, those people are unclean. Those people are harmful. Those people are wrong. It was like this whole thing, like they thought they were just going to be the Pied Piper and they were going to lead us all down the road to death or something. wasn't the case. But uh, it, was, it was an important time of music. It really was. Uh, but Madonna, again, got wrapped up in some of that stuff, too. And uh, she was part of what they called the Filthy 15. But uh, I didn't go with one of her more risque songs. I went with, I think, one of the best dance songs in her catalog. Causing a Commotion is probably the best dance song. But I love Into the Groove. Get Into the Groove. Great, great danceable tracks. So there you go. You didn't expect to get that history of the PMRC today, did you? All right, number two. Arguably the best guitar player with one name. It's Slash. Now, I could have gone Guns N' Roses here. I didn't. And I know many of you missed the intro we used to have for the Boneyard. So we're going to bring it back today. We're going back to Slash's Snake Pit. And we're going Beggars and Hangers On. Even though I like the live version with Miles Kennedy better, you can find it on YouTube. I wish it was available on, on Spotify and Apple Music. It's not. But Beggars and Hangers On, I love that track. I think it's very well written. I think Miles Kennedy sings it better than the original singer did. But I love that blues intro, and it used to be the intro for this show for many, many years until they made us stop using it. But um, we're going to pay our tribute to it today. Beggars and Hangers On by Slash, number two. And number one, this should be obvious, one of the greatest singer-songwriter musicians of all time. No matter the country of origin, no matter your your taste in music. This is a guy, a, a guy that just crossed all lines for genres. We're talking Prince. Love Prince. An underrated guitarist, too, man. It's like you, you see some of these shows out there on YouTube and stuff, and you just see Prince just absolutely melting people's faces. I mean, it's like if, you, if he wasn't a pop music superstar, he could have like, been like the lead guitar player in Rat or something. I mean, Prince was incredible. An incredible songwriter, and I love the fact, too, that Prince at times, when he would get all this criticism and stuff about, you know, sexuality and that, that sort of stuff, the way he dressed, he, he was such a gentleman about it all. Like, he never, ever, ever reacted negatively to that stuff. He was just like, I'm going to be me. I'm comfortable being me, and I don't need your approval to be me. I have such respect for that. I absolutely do. I think you've got to be comfortable in your own skin, and I always, it's always kind of, I don't want to say troubled me, but it's always kind of puzzled me. It's like, why so many people are like, why are you so concerned about how somebody else chooses to look and dress? Why is that your business? Why do you care? And I think Prince really challenged a lot of people with that and really kind of brokered in kind of a new age of individuality. I think a lot of people, especially young people, began to say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to start doing that too. I'm going to grow my hair a little bit longer. I'm going to grow my bangs out. I'm going to start wearing these wild colors. And I think that he was responsible for a lot of that. Prince, an absolute legend. We talk about, you know, the term goat is thrown around so much it's almost become, you almost wince when you hear it now because all of a sudden somebody has an, a new hit single or somebody gets a bunt single or something and they're the goat. Uh, Prince is one of the greatest of all time. You talk about goats, yeah, he's one of them for sure. Prince is an incredible performer. So we're going to go with Little Red Corvette. I know you're probably thinking I was going with Purple Rain or When Doves Cry or Let's Go Crazy. I could talk about Prince songs for a long time. That guy's got a very extensive catalog and never never released a bad album. 
Never. And whenever he got bored with the people he was working with, he would fire everybody and put a new band together. Remember, he went from the he had the Prince, then he had the Prince and the Revolution, then Prince and the New Power Generation, then he went to the Symbols. He just kept changing. The guy's incredible. He was never ever complacent as an artist, and we lost him far too soon. So number one on your list, Prince, Little Red Corvette. That's the top ten list for today. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out, and let me know, or better yet, contact Roy at at Dogmatic67 on Twitter. If you can't find him, find me, and I'll relay it. And uh, we look forward to doing another top 10 albums list on Monday. Got a lot of good suggestions for that, too. A lot of people have come up. You guys are pretty creative, man. I mean, honestly, there's some times I'll think, hey, that's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? And I'll run it by Roy, and Roy's like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, so uh, we enjoy doing this, and I hope you guys continue to enjoy it. I have a lot of people that stop and talk to me on campus, especially some of you young guys. And say, hey, Steve, I love a top ten list. I've learned a lot. And then I go home and I'm listening to these, mu- these music. And um, my dad's like, hey, when do you start listening to these guys? You know. So I'm glad that we can bring families together. That's what we do on the show is we bring families together. All right, let's get ready to go um, talk some spring practice football. This segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. Stand and man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Matter of fact, I heard from Kathy Brown today, already thinking ahead. She's like, hey, we need you to go to Mistletoe Marketplace with us in Jackson again this year, and we want you to be there every day. And let me tell you this. I love going up there. I get to see so many of you. More to the point, I get to see your wives, you know, because they're up there buying gifts and that sort of stuff, and everybody's hanging out and having a good time. It is, it is a great festive environment. But uh, it is a long day on your feet. And for a guy that wears Chuck Taylors, not a lot of support in there. You know, and so by the time we get to day number three, I'm looking for somewhere to sit. They want me to be there all four days, and maybe we can be. If Mississippi State's not playing a football game on Saturday, I will be. But I will be back at Mistletoe Marketplace with uh, Kathy Brown. Love her to death. He's like a family member to me. Uh, and listen, if you can't make it, and you don't have to wait till Mistletoe Marketplace to order cool stuff. You can do that now. Go by and see them today or visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And, and just to think, you can thank Tipper Gore's husband for all of this. It's incredible. Thanks, Al. All right, spring football practice. I was out there today. I've been out there a couple times. And um, that's one of the things, too, about having the army of people that we do over at jeanspage.com. And Dave Murray's in town now for a, uh, for a couple weeks for us. And uh, good to have Dave back. Dave got in uh, Thursday night, so Dave will be covering practice with us on Saturday. But, you know, when I'm covering baseball, you know, Paul can go cover football, you know, go to football practice. So we always have a presence of football practice. It's always great. We have multiple people there because you can kind of get – and there's things that happen, you know, that you don't see. We don't just stand by each other and just sit there and, and shoot the breeze. You know, we're walking around kind of seeing what's going on. And sometimes you've got, you know, practice sessions going on on three different fields. You know, special teams will be up front, and you've got offense on one side and defense on the other, and everybody gets together. But um, there are some uh, missing in action. And many of you know that, but I don't know that any group has been harder hit than the defensive line. I mean, pretty much your first team defensive line is in the pit or wearing a no-contact jersey. And we got some guys that had some off-season cleanup type procedures. They're going to be good to go come fall. 
Uh, you'd like to see them get the reps, but within their absence, you've got some younger guys that are getting an opportunity to get more practice reps and get more up to speed. We're really building depth. I mean, you know what Jaden Crumbody can do, right? I mean, you know what Nathan Pickering can do. You just want to make sure those guys are in shape when we get ready to go play football in September. But now the guys behind them, they're able to kind of get in there and kind of mix it up a little bit and kind of get some coaching and get more reps in practice than uh, they ordinarily would have. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. It's not a good thing that you've got so many guys out. But it matters if, if we're going to get hurt, let's do it now. So, Big Baby, Jaden Crumity in yellow. Nathan Pickering in yellow. Cam Young is out. He's in the, bull, in the, um, in the, the bullpit over there. Uh, Jordan Davis, you know he's out. Towards ACL last year in fall camp. you know, So, they're not going to do anything with him in the spring. But I'll tell you this. That guy looks great. He looks like what you'd expect an SEC linebacker, excuse me, SEC defensive end to look like. I mean, I, I expect a big year from him. I really do. Um, Jet Johnson got a broke hand. Uh, I think our good friend Steph shared that out of Tupelo. He broke that news. But uh, he was coming to practice, and, and he's out there in the pit, and his hand's all bandaged up. I mean, you know, you can, you can see – that he is not participating. And uh, Steph kind of got a little more information. He's out for the rest of the spring, and that's fine, as long as he's ready to go for the fall. Uh, and that's football. Football's a physical game. You know, people get beat up. It happens. But, uh, you know, outside of that, I think we're pretty good in the secondary. I don't remember seeing any names, you know, over there on the side. You know, we got a couple of offensive linemen over there, and we'll get that in a second. But um, defensively, this group looks to be pretty athletic. When you start you know, running down the names here, I mean, the dudes up front, all right, you know what you got at Cam. He's a future NFL guy, a big baby, probably an NFL guy. Pickering, of course, has that same potential, even though he hadn't fully realized it yet. He had some big flashes last year. You know, the big play against Texas A&M really kind of stands out. Then you get Jordan Davis back, and nobody's even talking about Tyrus Wheat. Nobody is talking about Tyrus Wheat. And that's a guy right there that is making Albert Reese better every single practice. They're not going to be a lot of edge rushers on that side, on the weak side, that Albert Reese is going to face that are going to be the same quality of Tyrus Wheat. And Albert's a guy, too, that's got to learn to bend a little bit better. You know, talking to uh, Mason Miller post-practice, you know, he's like, hey, he was kind of high-hipped, and so it's more of an effort for him. You know, if he gets stood straight up, you know, they're going to take him right back to the quarterback. And so we've got to make sure that he's, you know, kind of getting the fundamentals down. But that's, you know, that's what practice is for. You know, and, and every time Ty Weed beats him, he's going to learn he's going to learn from it. He's going to get better. Find a way to block that guy. You're going to be able to match up with everybody in the SEC. I mean, this is a, this is a defensive line unit, when healthy, that can be really, really strong. And I think they're going to take a step forward this year. I think Jeff Phelps did a good job with these guys. Uh, linebackers, we feel good about that group too. You know, Matt Brock spoke with us today. You know, Matt Brock, of course, has given up special teams and is coaching the entire linebackers. Last year, you know, he had special teams and then the sandbackers. And so now he has a little more control over that personnel group uh, and says, you know, hey, you know, kind of settling in. And, he, and he's been really impressed with the younger guys. Nick Mitchell was the guy that he mentioned specifically, is the guy that really comes out and plays hard. And I think, you know, I feel good about our group. We, we can ill afford an injury out there, but um, I think you feel good about what you have. It's just a matter now of you know, kind of building some depth behind him, and that's where perhaps Tamar Rogers comes in. And uh, He mentioned Deshaun Page having a great camp. 
Uh, and that's that's a guy too. We've been kind of waiting to see him explode. You know, that's a guy that's a you know former JUCO guy. Got you know got a couple years left to play, but uh, you know the light really hadn't come on for him yet. And so it's good to see him running around and making plays now because he is a big physical presence. Uh, in the secondary, you know, talking to Darcel McBath, he believes he's got more depth than his group that he's had since he's been here at Mississippi State. And this is a guy too that. Um, you had Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes. And, and I think by and large last year, we felt like we had three corners we can play. I think it's probably jumped to five or six this year. You know, I mean, Asias Ferg is a guy that just can't seem to run that guy off. You know, it's like people think, well, you know, he's not going to play. Then all of a sudden he becomes a career special teams guy. Then he's a starter. Then he's a two-deeper. And now he's back being two-deeper. I think the guy's just happy to be here and get his education and play. But it's like every time I turn around, somebody said, hey, Ferg did this and Ferg did that. I don't expect him to start. I think the Cambrian Richardson and Forbes are the starters right now. Marcus Banks is starting to pick it up a little bit. He's going to play a lot. You feel good about that. You know, the Carlos Nicholson is coming on. So, again, you, you lose Martin Emerson, who is the guy that's, that we're hearing now has a second-round grade on him. You lose him, but yet all of a sudden you've got some depth uh, to go out there and compete. And Decam's having a good camp. DKM is having a really good camp, and we need him to be. We need him to be a much better player and live up to his potential, and I think that you're getting that. I think bringing in guys like Banks and DeCarlos kind of sends a signal to him, hey, it's time to go. So pretty excited about that group. You know, safety, you know, Trip Wilson's kind of over there now, too. That will be interesting. I, I think Trip's a guy that can be, you know, a depth guy and certainly a special teams guy. But, uh, you know, that guy's such a good athlete, you got to find a way to get him on the field. And so, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with that safety group. But I do feel like we're in a much better position now than maybe we were a year ago. We had a lot of guys kind of rounding back in the form last year off injuries. And so we'll see. I still think we need another safety out of the portal. Hopefully we can find a good one, at least a guy to come in there and run the two deep. But uh, we mentioned the offensive line, too. There are some days out there that the only starter you have back is LaQuinson Sharp and a guy we had to go get an extra year for, Right. Now, I'm going to say some things, too, about these tackle positions, and I mean them as nice as I can, okay? No matter how good Percy Lewis is going to be this year, he's not going to be as good as Charles Cross was last year. Now, he may be next year, but to expect him to kind of come in there and pick up where Charles left off, that's just unfair to Percy Lewis. The guy's going to do a good job, but it's probably going to take him a few games to kind of get going. The guy's got to get used to the speed of the game at this level. But all, just about all your interior guys, with the exception of Cam Jones, and Cam's a swing guy, right? You know, but Cam's a guy that's, you know, can play left guard, can play right tackle for you. But the other side over there, Albert Reese is kind of taking over there. And I think, that, you know, talking to Mason Miller, now Stephen Lasoy is kind of sliding inside. And he, and he said today he's going to end up taking somebody's job. That's encouraging to hear too, you know, which makes you wonder too, do we need to go get another offensive tackle? If we thought Lasoya might be a tackle now that we have him here, we've identified him as a guard, do we need to go back into the portal and get a tackle? Maybe we do. What's going to be available at this late date? You know, hopefully some guys go in the portal of quality. We can go get those guys. But, um, you know, there's not anything to really worry about. You know, with LaQuinston Sharp and Cam Jones, and really for that matter, Albert Reese. You know, Albert's still got to, you know, we got to fine-tune some things. But the reality of it is, is, you know, we've got some dudes. It's just a matter of kind of getting them together as a cohesive unit. And then, of course, you get Cole Smith and you get Dollar Bill back 100% in the fall. And then Cannon Boone's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, 
had a, a torn ACL, so he's kind of working back for that too. So there's three guys there on your interior on the two deep that are missing right now. But it's going to be okay. Receivers look great. Uh, Tulu, I guess, was in no contact today. And that's okay, too. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about Tulu Griffin. I think Rufus made some nice plays today. Uh, Justin Robinson looks phenomenal. Jordan Mosley looks phenomenal. Uh, I like these new additions at wide receiver. I think this is, you know, we talked last year about, hey, this might be the most talented receiver group we've had in a long time. You know what? Until this year, this is a very talented group of receivers. And I thought Will Rogers and Sawyer Robertson were outstanding today. Absolutely outstanding. Sawyer Robertson's a dude, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> you might as well get ready. That guy's going to be the face of this program here very, very soon. Won't be this year. That the future of our program is going to rest on the very talented and capable arm of Sawyer Robertson. Guy's outstanding. Uh, a couple backs that I thought Hargrove did a couple things today. You know, DJ and Woody, you, you got proven commodities there. But uh, again, you know, it's spring practice, but it's good to see everybody out there kind of getting together and kind of, you know, running around, making some things happen. And so we'll have more of that. I hope to be able to get out there Saturday for the scrimmage. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. I've got a book signing at the Lodge. It's, that, that kind of precludes me from going, but you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm at the Lodge 10 to 1230, and they've got it up on the marquee. So as you come into town, maybe you forget, you'll see the Lodge sign. It says, hey, Steve Robertson, book signing, dog pile. 10 and 12.30. Let's go up there and sell every book they got. So I'll be there for two and a half hours, and I'll head over to Duke Noble Field, and we're going to go win a baseball game. But be sure and come by. And then Monday, I'm with the Newton County Alumni Association, the Mississippi State Alumni Association with the Newton County chapter. Um, it's the Mexican grill there. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try to pronounce that again. I took three years of Spanish, but I can't do it. I can't roll the R's. Uh, but you guys are well aware of it, and if you got need information, reach out. We'll, we'll get it to you. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about that. But, uh, again, you know, we'll have some more um, – we'll have a – David's going to be there and Paul's going to be there for sure. And so we'll have some reports over at Gene's page, and uh, and I'll do some talking to some of your coaches maybe, um, maybe after the scrimmage and see if we can find out, you know, kind of who did what and that sort of stuff. Mike Leach will be speaking with the media following the scrimmage. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. We're going to do a baseball segment in honor of our friend Brooks Bryan. Brooks is a buddy, man. I love Brooks to death. He guy's got a, got a lot going on for sure. And uh, every time I see that guy, he's got a smile on his face. But uh, very driven guy that's involved in a lot of things for the betterment of, of, his, of his own life, but also, too, of our great state. And one of those things he's involved in is Portico, the great residential community just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. And if you move to Starkville, I mean, you're moving here. You're not, you're not moving here to be close to the movie theater. I mean, you're moving here to be close to Mississippi State. And so you can be close enough for convenience but far enough away for some privacy there at Portico. Very easy to find. You turn off of 82 on a 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road. Boom, there you know. You cross over Old West Point Road and that little stop sign there, and there's Portico. Next time you're in town, just go check it out. You got nothing to lose. I mean, it's not like you're going to turn in the neighborhood and all of a sudden Brooks and a real estate agent come up there and hijack your car. Ride through there and see for yourself. It's great construction. You got a lot of bulldogs involved in this project because they care about Starkville. And so, if it's your primary residence you're looking for, or perhaps having a place in Starkville that ultimately becomes your retirement home is your goal, Portico has an option for you. You can start with a two bedroom, two bath house and go up to a four bedroom, four bath house and really everything in between. And right now, because phase one's completely sold out, they're working on phase two. 
you can get um, you know some say in how that goes. You know, you can pick out your lot, pick out your house plans. Everybody deserves to do that at least once. For more details, call my friend and your friend, Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Trust me, Brooks will take care of you. Absolutely will. If I was moving to Starkville, I'd move to Portico. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's look around the Southeastern Conference. In the last few minutes we have together, let's take a look at the SEC. And, uh, again, a very interesting opening night of SEC play. I had a doubleheader on the SEC network. And uh, I missed much of that Arkansas game um, and got here late. And at that point, it was Arkansas was, was clearly in, in control there. Arkansas wins the game 8-1. to one. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, Connor Nolan, you know, he pitched so well against us last week. And I think a lot of people said, well, Steve, part of that is our own ineptitude. Uh, listen, Florida has a ton back offensively. And Connor Nolan carved them up, too. Connor Nolan, outstanding. Seven innings pitch allowed one hit, seven Ks, and one walk. So he gives them two base runners, two, and seven innings pitch. That's tough to win a ball game like that. I mean, honestly, you begin to think about, okay, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to spend 21 outs and get two base runners. That's not a good trade for us. It's a great trade for Arkansas. This guy's becoming a dude. He really is. And then uh, Zebulon Vermillion comes on and gets the, um, you know, gets a save. He gives up a run late there, too. Don't, you know, don't really expect that. He only faced nine hitters. But uh, got into a little bit of trouble there. Gave up a couple hits and, and had a walk there. But, you know, the game was already kind of pushed away there. But, um, you know, really kind of the decisive inning for Arkansas. It's pretty crazy. It is a three-to-nothing ball game when Nolan leaves, and then Arkansas puts up five in the top of the ninth. Just kind of like, you know what, if you were thinking that you're going to have some late inning drama, we're going to go ahead and remove that possibility from you. So, again, impressive win for Arkansas. And, again, any time you win on the road in the SEC, it's a big deal. I don't care where you do it. It's a big deal. These are great coaches and great players. And Florida's underachieving. Three and seven now in the SEC. Oh, my gosh. How did I pick them to win it? Feels kind of silly now. Uh, A&M, of course, walks off uh, Kentucky. Mentioned that earlier in the show. I was waiting for that to get over. So I'm, I probably regret staying up watching that game and recording the show. I got a big day Friday. I got a lot going on. Got some personal stuff to attend to. And then uh, we got to get together and go, go win an intercollegiate baseball game. But the Kentucky A&M game goes 11 innings. Kentucky goes up a 2-0 there, and then A&M gets one in the fourth and one in the sixth to tie it. And that's how it remained if they got to the 11th. And then the big walk-off uh, to end the ball game there. Pretty crazy how it all worked out there. And Nick Mangione, those guys are pitching it really well. I don't know that I expected that. Clonch with the walk-off dinger on a 2-2 count to right center. And everybody at Bluebell Park that was uh, not wearing blue went home happy. So the fighting Ross Bjorks, it's a big win for them. They're now 18-11 overall. So let's look at the rest of the weekend. We kind of know how things have started. And I love this Thursday night thing. I'm not so crazy about us doing it. I know we do it a couple times. But the one thing I do like about when we play on Thursday is it gives me Sunday to watch college baseball. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, when you're covering games, it's the only game you get to watch. It's one of the reasons I'm so against all these AP polls and things like that. But uh, that's another story for another day. But I love being able to watch everybody else play on Thursday. I mean, I'm a college baseball nerd. I mean, I love it. I really do. And I watch it when it's – if it's on, I'm watching. 
And I may be working while I'm watching or on my phone while I'm watching, but I've got the game on. Um, so Arkansas, of course, at Florida. You know, I, I told uh, Oliver, the SID at, at Arkansas Baseball, they were, well, we got Florida last week. I said, man, you guys will kill those guys. You guys are going to kill Florida. They were a little more – they weren't as confident as I was. And I, Arkansas is going to take this series, and they may sweep it. When you see, you know, a couple guys get together the way they did and Connor Nolan pitch as well as he did – and listen, we know what Arkansas has from a starting pitching standpoint. We just saw it last weekend, and all three of their starters were outstanding. Uh, Smith and Wiggins both were, were great against us. You know, we, we made some hay against the Arkansas bullpen on Sunday. This is an Arkansas bullpen that's a little bit shaky at times, but their starting pitch, their frontline pitching is outstanding and much better than most of us anticipated, including myself. Arkansas wins a series and likely sweeps, which, I, you know, and then what do you do if you're Scott Strickland? I mean, honestly, think about this. You had all this stuff last year. There's all this you know, rumors about off-the-field off issues with Sully and then the flirtations with other schools kind of behind the scenes. And, and then you go out here and you're having this tank of a season. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Does Scooter need to make a change? I mean, if I, you know, do you fire him and go get Tony Vitello? I mean, can, I don't think Tennessee can win a bidding war with Florida. And I think Tony Vitello at Florida is, would, would, be, would be curtains for Vanderbilt in the East. Just something to watch. I, I'm, I'm, I just don't think Tennessee is going to pony up the money to keep Tony Vitello if Florida comes calling. And if you're Scott Strickland and you want to get out, this is probably the year to go get Vitello. All right, Missouri is at Tennessee, speaking of Tony Vitello. Uh, yeah, Missouri, listen, Beezer and those guys are playing better. They don't have a shot this weekend. I mean, and you say that, you never know when a pitcher's going to hit a hot streak, but Tennessee is so good up and down that order. Even if they have to come and get you in the eighth and ninth, they're going to get you. I really like the makeup of this Tennessee team. And people forget, they lost a ton. People act like, oh, well, Steve, they have so many guys back. No, they don't. That's what makes it so much more remarkable. I think they lost four position players last year and the DH. Yeah, you've had, you just had some guys get better, and then they did a great job evaluating. Tony Vitello, I'm telling you, he is the lead alpha dog in college baseball right now. I guess he's, he's an incredible recruiting personality for sure. Uh, Georgia at South Carolina. I mean, do you have any confidence that South Carolina is going to beat anybody? Here's what I'll say, though. It's so tough to win on the road. And, you know, in, in Georgia, Georgia has been a little up and down at times. I think Georgia will drop a game at South Carolina, but I think Georgia wins the series. Now, you may have seen – Jackson Cannon, Georgia's Friday night guy, is out this weekend. That changes the dynamic of the weekend. Because a first rounder. We saw him firsthand. That guy can really, really pitch. Well, now all of a sudden you got to throw your number three guy on Sunday. And I think that gives South Carolina a chance uh, to win the series. And listen, Georgia, Scott Strickland's one of the best pitching coaches in America. But outside of Cannon, he doesn't have like a surefire SEC starter. They just kind of string it together. And, again, that's the kind of the, 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 the magic of the Scott Strickland experience uh, there at Georgia. This guy knows how to mix and match and manage a pitching staff. But I think they'll win Friday, Saturday. I think they'll lose Sunday uh, to South Carolina. Vanderbilt is at Auburn. This may be the most interesting series in the conference not played in Starkville. I really like this matchup. I like Auburn. I told you guys from the beginning of the year I did not buy the Vandy love. 
And you could say, yeah, well, Steve, you told us you love Florida. And that's true. I did say that. I think this whole Vanderbilt thing was just based off reputation. And I think the Florida thing, in many respects, too, when you look at everything they had coming back, it just kind of made sense on paper. But something's wrong at Florida. They, all of a sudden, they've got bad culture at Florida. How does that happen? Vanderbilt has good culture. I just don't think Vanderbilt has players like they've had, which is amazing considering that you can put everybody on 100% scholarship. Uh, you know, are we seeing the end of the Devaney dynasty? I don't think so. But I think this is – if you're going to get them, this is a year to get them. I think Auburn wins the series probably two games to one. But I won't be surprised if Vanderbilt does. Because I think Auburn, it's kind of such a herky-jerky experience with them. I mean, you saw that crazy series with Ole Miss where it's like one – every game was like a church league softball game. The winner won by double digits. You know, it's just like it's ridiculous. Or the winner scored double digits. So – I never know what we're going to get from Auburn. You know, Vanderbilt is going to be a solid team. And, of course, they've had to move some guys around. Uh, Dominic Keegan, you know, is catching. We, we kind of knew that was going to happen. But this Vanderbilt team is reeling. And I think we're going to find out what they're made of here in these next couple of weekends. They have been embarrassed this year. And this is a team, too, that if they lose this weekend series, they may be unranked for the first time in a long, long time. We talked about Kentucky and A&M. Uh, it's at A&M. And so my hope is that Nick and those guys can go in there and get a game. It's, it's tough to win on the road in the SEC. It really is. And you lose a tough one like this tonight. I mean, you know, and so A&M goes to bed tonight feeling great about life, and, and Kentucky's like, you know, we had our chances and we just couldn't come through. That's kind of how it was last weekend against Ole Miss. You know, they played them really tough Friday and Sunday, uh, not so much uh, on the other game. Or excuse me, I guess Kentucky won a Saturday game. But, you know, my point being is I think Kentucky's got good enough pitching to go get one this weekend. And I think A&M is so Jekyll and Hyde, you never know. I mean, would any of us look up and be surprised on Sunday to find out that Kentucky won the last two games of this series? No, we wouldn't. And I would be thrilled to see that happen. I'm really pulling for Nick Mingeon, but also, too, I want a little shakeup in the West there. You know, we're ahead of Kentucky. You know, we're tied with A&M. So, any time that, you know, a team like Kentucky can take a couple of wins – away from an SEC West school, that's good for us. So, really pulling, not just for Nick, but for but kind of against A&M. Alabama's at Ole Miss. I like this Alabama team. I just don't think it has many stars. I do think they're a very gritty, blue-collar type team. And this Ole Miss team is very, very interesting. You know, this offense of theirs, and, you know, I kind of fell for it too. You know, kind of like I did with Florida. It's like, hey, you look at all these arms, that, I mean, these – and these hitters that are back. And I told you guys they weren't going to have pitching. Well, what's incredible is, you know, lately the pitching has been you know, better than advertised and the offense is not even close to what people expected. You know, let me just go back and we, let's talk about this. If I can find the numbers here. I mean, let me just pull up the old Miss schedule. So one of my friends, J-Dog, give him a shout out on the show. He had shared a statistic with me that I passed on to you. And I want to give him proper credit for that. I told you guys the other day, they had not done well in their last 10. Uh, he makes a good point, too, that uh, since Ole Miss went to number one, which was stupid, that uh, they have really struggled. And um, they don't have it on their schedule when they went to number one, but they were. Um, and so I don't know when the, the train actually started here. But, you know, you, you win two out of three against Auburn. Then you win the game against Memphis, and then you get swept by Tennessee. 
You beat North Alabama to death, and you win you know two out of three against Kentucky. Uh, but he says that they were six and seven since they went to number one, and that may be true. They're nineteen and nine overall, and they got off that great winning streak, and they lose a the game at UCF. Uh, you know, maybe that's the curse of John Rice Plumley. But then they kind of rebound from that, and then they drop a game to Oral Roberts, and it's like, and we could just start there. I mean, you lose to Oral Roberts, you lose to Southeastern Louisiana, then you lose to Auburn. I mean, that, so then you take the other two. I mean, you're two and three right there. You went against Memphis. That makes you three and three. Then you drop three to Tennessee. Makes you three and six. You beat Bama. Beat Kentucky. Does that make you five and six? And then you lose one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. They're six and seven. I mean, so good for you, J-Dog, for getting that right. But this is an Ole Miss team that, um, you know, they can come out there and score 21 game and then score one the next. But I think Ole Miss takes the series. I'd love to see Alabama win it. But I think – the fact that it's at uh, Ole Miss in Oxford, you know, and, of course, if it doesn't rain up there, they'll be able to chance to play baseball. But, um, you know, Alabama, I just don't think that there's enough firepower in this offense to win a slugfest with Ole Miss. I mean, give Ole Miss some credit. I mean, if when they when they get the bats going, they're difficult to defeat. They really are. You can say that for everybody, but they, they, they have some length in the lineup. And then there's some talk, too, about them getting some guys back, you know, so we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. It always is, man. It always is. And, uh, and we just got to keep playing. We just got to take care of us. And then there's so much parity in the league. Everybody will take care of each other. We just got to take care of Mississippi State. And uh, going out here getting two out of three from, a, from an LSU team that's been very up and down, that's the next step of the journey for us. And as I mentioned, I'll be signing books um, uh, Saturday from 10 to 1230 at the lodge. If you're looking for books, maybe you can't make it to town, go to dogpilethebook.com. They got a couple cases left of dogpile. And then there's more on the way. Should be here, you know, late next month. So, and we'll be able to farm you out to stores too. We'll kind of piece this thing together. So, if you're looking for those books, you can still get them. A couple cases left. So, it's it's well less than 100. A lot of you taking advantage of that. And I've shared with you guys too, the depleted the depleting the inventory of villains and alpha dogs. So if you don't have those books, you don't need to put that off. Because unlike Dogpile, there's not anything planned to print for those two books the rest of this year. And we still got some Flim Flim, too. I a lot of people that reach out and say, Steve, is Flim Flim still available? Well, yeah, absolutely it is. As is Blooms of Oleander, and you can find that at you know, Amazon, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, all those good things like that. But you know, all the sports books are all available at DogpileTheBook.com. And I sign them all. If you want them personalized, I can do that, too. That will delay shipment by about a week. But once you order, there's a book set aside for you. So you're not going to run out if you ask for personalization. But if you don't care about that, you can just get a signed copy, and they'll put it in the mail for you pretty much the next day. Uh, and if you're looking for shirts, I, the other day I had somebody ask me, just so happened I didn't mention it on the Wednesday show, and somebody said, hey, where do you get your shirts? Yeah, it's StarkVillains.com, and everybody needs a Stark Villain T-shirt and hoodie. Everybody does. You'll be glad you did. And, and it's summertime's coming, too. It's going to be warm. You need to look into that. Maybe get you some cool shirts. I don't specialize in anything other than cool stuff when I can help it. I don't like to be associated with things that I don't think are cool. I think the Stark Villain design is absolutely outstanding. I like it so much I put it on a book. It's perfect. StarkVillains.com, that is actually a registered trademark with the United States Patent Office. How about that? You didn't know that, did you? It's true. I own the trademark to Stark Villain. All right, so be sure and check all that stuff out. Thanks so much for your support. And if, as always, if you're not a subscriber to Gene's page, you certainly should be. Come by and check us out. 
at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. All right, we'll see you guys on Monday. Hopefully we're talking about a big weekend for Mississippi State baseball. Hopefully. and Because I, I want to beat LSU horribly. I do. Because I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s, right? I don't, I don't like to see the image of Ben McDonald flexing on us. You know, I like to be able to know that we wouldn't got us a win. Yeah, I love Ben to death. But uh, when we get ready to play those guys, I always want to win. I always want to win. I know you guys do as well, and hopefully we can. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.